Bibles to page 1,887, where we'll find our passage for this evening, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. Before we read, let me pray. Heavenly Father, bless the reading and preaching of your word. Enlighten us by your spirit. Point us to Christ. Give us your grace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. As I was uh, reading the passage that we're looking at tonight uh, in First Peter, in our sermon series entitled Elect Exiles, um, where we're looking at First Peter and we're looking also at the Westminster Standards wherever it applies so that we can uh, maybe have a little bit of an understanding of our Presbyterian brothers and sisters' language when it comes to confessions and catechisms because um, I think that they've got some good stuff as well. Um, and we've got good stuff and we can share it together and be nice. Um, so um, I began to think about Revelation chapter 2. Um, because Peter, up until this point in the, our passage, has been talking about what, we've, what I've called for you guys the indicative, right? Um, the indicative, this is what's been done for you. This is the gospel that's been done for you. Reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3, all the way through to verse 12, you get the sense that this is what Peter is saying. This is this great salvation that's been done for you, right? Uh, and now as we're going into... Um, uh, the imperative, the command. Uh, this is how we respond to the understanding of what's been done for us. Um, Peter is talking about um, um, he's talking about Christians who know the gospel, have believed in the gospel, and they're asking, "What now? How now shall we live? Um, how now shall we grow in faith?" Right. Well, in Revelation chapter two, Jesus talks to a church much the same way. And uh, he, he talks to the church in Ephesus in the same fashion. Um, and the reason why I was drawn to um, Revelation chapter 2 and, and the message to the church in Ephesus is because 1 Peter is talking about love as well. And so does, um, so does Revelation chapter 2 speaking about um, the church in Ephesus. 
This is what Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And so this is a pretty positive um, uh, proclamation from Jesus concerning a a number of these other churches in Revelation. Um, His message to Ephesus is, you're doing a good job. Uh, But then he says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And so, since Jesus is saying, when you first began, your heart was so on fire for the Lord. Um, But this is what I hold against you now. Um, You've forsaken your first love. And so he says in verse 5, Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I'll come to you and I'll remove your lampstand from its place. Um, And so Jesus is saying, you, you are not remembering where you were. Remember where you were and strive to be there again. Well, we could say that what Peter is saying in 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 22 through chapter 2, verse 3, is the warning to make sure that whatever happened to the church in Ephesus doesn't happen to us, right? How do we continue to grow in our faith? Um, How do we stick with our first love? Um, And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. Our theme this evening for our passage is grow and, I'm telling you, persevere is one of those words. Uh, Grow and persevere in love through powerful word of God. And we've got two points tonight. Love one another. Now and forever. And point number two, grow up in love through God's word. So let's start with point number one. Love one another now and forever. This point covers verses 22 through 25, so through the end of 1 Peter chapter 1, okay? Grow and persevere in love through the powerful word of God. Our first point is love one another now and forever. Verse 22 starts off by saying, now that you have. And that's what I call the sermon tonight. Because you could look at this passage and you could say that uh, it begins with a now that you have and it ends with a now that you have. Now that you have and now that you have, right? Uh, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth and now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Um, And so what Peter is saying is, now that you have believed in the good news, 
Peter's saying, this is your first thing that you did. You obeyed the truth. You listened to the gospel message, and you obeyed it. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, which we often think is a, is a suggestion, right? Uh, we often think that the gospel is a suggestion. Well, you can believe in Jesus if you want. Well, no, actually, the gospel is a command. And Scripture comes to us as a command. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. That's a command, right? And so when the gospel goes out, and it's proclaimed, and it's preached to people, um, they have an opportunity to either obey that command or to not. And... Um, this is, is language that Paul uses at the beginning and the end of Romans. Um, the gospel has gone out for the obedience of the nations. This is language that Paul uses in um, uh, 1 Thessalonians when he says that people are going to receive judgment because they did not obey the gospel. It seems rather strange because when we think about the gospel, we think good news. And we think that what it is is a proclamation to join us, to in, uh, an invitation to, to be a part of, uh, of um, the people of God. And it is true, but it's also a command. And Peter's saying here that they, his first century audience, have obeyed the truth. And because they have obeyed the truth, they have a sincere love. A sincere love for your brothers. They have a sincere love for your brothers. The um, Greek word behind sincere love for your brothers is um, Philadelphia. The city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And so Peter's saying, because you have believed the gospel, what has happened in your life is that you now have a real, sincere, brotherly affection towards one another. Uh, but Peter is saying that it shouldn't stop there. He's saying, you have this, right? Um, now then, how do you add to this? You add to this by going deeper. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And in fact, what Peter is saying here could suggest a, uh, a strengthening of this love because the brotherly love is Philadelphia, Philadelphia, but what he talks about next has the root of agape. It's an agape love. And, and, and so um, although there is a broad usage of these words for love, and it doesn't mean that Philadelphia is not as good love as agape and I won't get into all that, but I am going to say that here Peter seems to be using two separate words for love in a very close context to express his intention. His intention is that Christians, having now believed in the good news, having now expressed a beginning of that Christian brotherly love, must go deeper with that love and affection. With that love and affection. Love one another. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, often spoke of a new command. So this new command I give you, love one another. 
This is how the world will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And you go into the Old Testament and you say, really, Jesus, is this a new command? Because isn't the, uh, the main commands in the Old Testament love God and love your neighbor as yourself? And so how is this really new, Jesus, that you're telling us to do? Well, what Jesus is saying, because now I have come into this world, because now I have revealed God the Father to you, because now I have brought with my life salvation and the good news of the gospel, there is a new revelation to love. And that is when we read in 1 John, God is love. We, we see in that a real picture on display for us and the giving of his son and the salvation that Christ purchased for us on his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave his ascension into heaven and his turning returning again to be with us love one another we need to go deeper with that Christian love that we're called to how do we do that Verse 23 says, You have been born again, not a perishable seed. Not a perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring word of God. And so Peter says, The way that this work has begun in you is through uh, being born again of an uh, imperishable seed. Um, and this imperishable seed is the Word of God. Uh, Peter's used this language sometimes already in uh, his writing. Uh, he makes a, a comparison between, uh, he says in verse 3, You have been given uh, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. And so Peter's using that language again. You've been born again. It's the same thing as this new hope. It's the same thing as this new birth into a living hope. It means to be born again. Um, and this is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's an inheritance that can never perish or spoil. This inheritance, uh, this, uh, the way you are born again is through an imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God. And in order to describe this living and enduring word of God, uh, Peter quotes uh, from Isaiah. He quotes from Isaiah um, chapter 40. Isaiah 40, 6 through 8. Um, Isaiah 40, 6 through 8, what says, All men are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And he says, this is the word that was preached to you. And that's why I said, the word that's being spoken of here, this imperishable word, this word um, that they have obeyed, the truth that they have obeyed, is the good news of the gospel, the gospel message that was proclaimed to them, right? And, and, and Peter calls upon Isaiah to express um, the eternal nature of this word. 
The eternal nature of this word is, is, is expressed in Isaiah because it says, all men, they're like grass, they, they fade away, right? But the, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. You have an eternal word that was preached to you. And so why, why is it then that I'm saying what Peter is saying here in this first point is love one another for uh, now and forever. Love, uh, apparently I forgot one. Love one another now and forever. Well, because Peter is saying the way and the reason why we must go deeper in the Christian love for one another that we have now in seed form but must grow down into the heart, must grow just like that word that was planted in us. It must be an eternal love. Imagine for yourself, for a moment, that you were placed in a room with somebody you did not know. And you began to talk to each other. And you find out that they're a Christian, just like you're a Christian. You ever had that opportunity, that moment? This is what I want you to think of next time you meet somebody you don't know that you find out believes in Jesus Christ um, is a Christian like you. You're going to spend forever with that person. Your family, in a way that is almost inexpressible in this world. Our friends here, they're going to go to Nepal and meet people they've never met before that are Christians. They're forever going to be with those people in heaven. And so the call for us to grow in love towards each other is a call for us to acknowledge that we're forever family. We're going to spend forever with each other. And that the word that was planted in us that we believe, the word of the gospel news of Jesus Christ, is the very word of God and it's eternal. And so the love that's promised that will continue to grow and deepen in our hearts, that will continue to grow from brotherly love to agape, unconditional love and affection, is a love that's brought about by the eternal word. It's an eternal kind of love. So love one another, yes, now, but also forever. Um, and the next question that we have to ask ourselves then um, is how do we grow in this eternal love being poured out into our hearts by the eternal word? How do we grow? will grow and persevere in love through the powerful word of God. Grow up in love through God's word, through the word. So, uh, Peter says, this is the gospel message that was proclaimed to you. This is the word that was preached to you. And he continues on in, uh, ver in chapter 2. And remember what I said about therefore, right? Just like my old Sunday school Bible teacher said, whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask, What's it there for? And this therefore is displaying, it's summarizing all that Peter has said before about the salvation that they have, about the 
truth that they've obeyed, about the, the truth that they've been born again uh, by an imperishable seed, not a perishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God, about their calling to be holy as God is holy, about their calling to, um, to have sincere love and to love one another deeply from the heart. This is something that's been brought about by the powerful and eternal word of God. And Peter then says, therefore, therefore, since you are called to love one another now and forever, therefore, rid yourselves, take off, all malice, all deceit. And he lists off a number of sins here. All hypocrisy. And all slander, envy, slander. Now, I could probably... Um, Use a little bit of uh, classroom participation here, if you don't mind. What is something that all of these sins hold in common? This, I mean, I'm actually asking for classroom participation. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. What do they all hold together? What do they all have in common? Uh, and it, obviously they're sins. But what joins them all together, and he guesses. Hatred, that's a good, that's a good um, guess. Not what I'm looking for, though. Uh, what, did anybody else say something? Carl, did you say something? No? Jealousy? No, not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, um, jealousy is another word that when you spell it, did I spell it right? I don't know. Selfish. 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 Okay, so you're on the right track. So if you're selfish then, um, you're only thinking of yourself, right? Which means you're not thinking of others, right? All of these sins have in common social element. They hurt others. When you have malice, you have evil intent towards another. When you have deceit, you uh, harmfully lie and it hurts another person. When you have hypocrisy, you act like you're something you're not and it hurts another person. When you have envy, it hurts somebody else. When you, have, when you slander, you're lying. You're saying things that aren't true about somebody else. These are all social elements. And so Peter is saying, you want to grow deeper in that eternal love that God has planted in your heart? You want to grow deeper in those uh, ways of brotherly affection and Philadelphia and, 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 and agape? You want to grow deep, deeper in those things? You need to get rid of the sins that hurt your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to get rid of the sins that hurt your brothers and sisters in Christ. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. These are ways in which you do not love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You have to rid yourselves of these things. You have to take these things off. And how do you do that? Well, One of the beautiful things about the Christian life is that the cure 
is always the same. The medicine prescribed, always the same. Peter says in chapter 2, verse 2, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. So, some people believe that at some point in your Christian life, you have to graduate from the gospel. You get on to something better. Some people believe um, that at some point, it's more sanctifying to you to talk about whether you're a post-millennial or an amillennial rather than what Jesus did for us. And what's interesting about what Peter is saying here to these newer Christians who he's then calling into a deeper faith, calling into a deeper commitment to the gospel and calling into a deeper commitment to one another and to Christian brothers and sisters is that he prescribes the gospel. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Um, and, and a couple of other passages in the Bible, this idea of, of milk um, is sort of um, communicated, like especially in the book of Hebrews, as by this time, you know, the, the author of the book of Hebrews kind of says, by this time you should be on meat and potatoes. But you're on milk. And I have to go over these things again with you. Right? So that's a negative connotation, right? Um, that's not what Peter is implying here. He's not saying to these young Christians that, uh, well, I can't prescribe for you meat and potatoes yet, so here's the spiritual milk. What he's saying is the same way that babies crave nourishment from their mothers is the same way that we should crave the very good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very word of God. Yes, it's the word of God that brought us to salvation. And it's this word of God that continues our salvation. The prescription is the same. The cure is the same. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes people think that the gospel is good for justification. And we need something else for sanctification. That's not what Peter says. That's not what the word of God says. And in fact, um, as I was looking at what we're going to preach this week, I realized that the catechism question, larger catechism question and answer 67 about effectual calling didn't really fit because um, Peter's not talking about effectual calling. He's talking about what do we do after we've been effectually called. And so I went back to the drawing board and I looked at question and answer 75 and 76 of the larger catechism, Westminster Larger Catechism. And I want to read that for you here. Um, question 75 asks, what is sanctification? And the answer is, sanctification is a work of God's grace. You realize that, right? Justification is a work of God's grace. Sanctification is a work of God's grace. God is still graciously working in you the salvation that he gave you in Jesus Christ. Whereby, they whom God hath before the foundation of the world chosen to be holy are in time, through the powerful operation of His Spirit, applying the death and resurrection of Christ unto... There's the gospel. 
the continuous rep, uh, application of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Renewed in their whole man after the image of God, having the seeds of repentance unto life and all other saving graces put into their hearts. And those graces so stirred up, increased, and strengthened is that they more and more die into sin and rise unto newness of life. Um, question 76 says, what is repentance unto life? And the answer is, repentance unto life is a saving grace wrought in the heart of a sinner by the Spirit and Word of God, whereby out of the sight and sense not only of the danger but also of the filthiness and odiousness of his sins and upon the apprehension of God's mercy in Christ to such as are penitent, he so grieves for and hates his sins as that he turns from them all to God, purposing and endeavoring constantly to walk with him in all the ways of new obedience. You see what Peter is saying here? He's saying, now that you have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, believe even more that the gospel of Jesus Christ will continue to be at work in your life, that you may grow in not only your love towards God, but your love towards one another. And the way that you do it is the same way you came to your salvation, by going to the Word of God, by craving it like newborn babies, that you may grow up in your salvation. Because you have tasted that the Lord is good, and I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. The Lord never stops tasting good. The Lord only gets better. The Lord... Peter, quoting here from Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's an invitation that never runs out. That's an invitation that is there always. You know, we kind of have those debates in our house about whether we could eat pizza every day. Because it's just one of those things, you know. I, told, I was telling my wife the other day, I said, I feel like we're, we're uh, Italian you know, our stomachs are Italian and Hispanic because we have tacos and pizza and pasta <laughs> every week. But could we, could we really eat pizza every day? Or would we get tired of it, you know? Um, that's not a question we have to ask about the Lord. You will never get tired of the Lord. If you go to Him, if you crave His Word like spiritual milk, you will see that the way that you grow up in this eternal love that's been planted in you by the imperishable seed of the Word of God is by going to the Word of God and listening to God in the pages of Scripture. It's by going to the Word of God and renewing once again your sense of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you were a sinner, you were cut off from God, and Jesus came and He saved you on the cross. He died for your sins and He lives for you now Remembering these things, bringing to mind these things, strengthens that love in you, calls you to get rid of the sins in your life that hurt your brothers and sisters in Christ. When you want to love them, you want to love them more deeply day in and day out. You want to love God more deeply. And so, um, Revelation 2, that warning that Jesus gives to the church in Ephesus. Hey, you're doing good, but... You've forsaken your first love. You know, I don't want that uh, to be about me. I don't want that to be the word that Jesus speaks over my life. I don't want that to be a word that Jesus speaks over our lives or our church's life. 
Have we forsaken our first love thinking that there's something greater than Jesus to go to in the Christian life? Greater than the good news of the gospel to go to in the Christian life? Um, I pray that we have not. I pray that we will once again return to our first love and to know that if we want to grow in that love, that Christian love that Jesus commands us to do, um, that the way that we do that is by returning once again to the Word of God. So if you want to grow and persevere in love, uh, go to the powerful Word of God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us your word. You have not been far off from us. You have revealed yourself to us in Jesus Christ. You have revealed yourself to us in your great and powerful word. Lord, we know that all things in this life uh, fade away, but your word stands forever. Um, This is the word that was preached to us, uh, the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news uh, that we have been born again of a imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. We have a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to grow in Christian love toward each other. Help us to have a deep and sincere love from the heart. Help us, Lord, to rid ourselves of malice, of all deceit, of hypocrisy, of envy and slander of every kind. Help us to crave your word like newborn babies craving milk. We pray, Lord, that we would grow up in our salvation. We pray, Lord, that we would never tire of our tasting of you and seeing that you are good. And we ask all these things and pray that you'd answer them for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.